0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of Always Choose Orange. This week, I sat down and I talked to Jonathan Wilson, who's the frontman lead vocalist of Fion. Fionn uh, is a band based out of the Orcas Island, Seattle, Washington area. Um, they their self-titled uh, album came out in 2015 and their most recent album Notes from the Underground was just released in 2022. Both are incredible pieces of music. I highly encourage you to go out to Bandcamp, Spotify, Apple Music, go check them out and listen to their stuff. Um yeah, it was really good sitting down with Jonathan and just um just chatting about uh his lyric writing process, the challenges in writing melodies to alternate time signatures the intersection between social media and art, and a lot more uh, just really interesting stuff. Um, Jonathan and I actually have known each other since 2011. So I um, was in a band um, back in 2010 to 2012, 2013 with a couple of my best friends. And um, in March of 2011, we jammed with someone from my elementary school, um, and who played drums and we went to his house and we were jamming with him and, you know, it just sort of fit with the direction we were going at the time. So he joined our band and at one of our first band practices, he brought us up to his, uh, his room where he had all of his speakers and all that stuff. And he, he said, Hey, I'm actually in, a, I play drums for another band too called Fion, but I want to show you guys, uh, one of the songs. So he played uh, one of their songs called "Ghost," which is off their self-titled album, and we were just blown away. And you know, we we had a uh, really fun, friendly rivalry uh, with them, and kind of mutually encouraged each other. I think to to write better music, and we went out. Uh, I've seen a couple of their live shows. One in uh, July of 2011, which I think was one of their first shows with their first lineup, and saw them again in gosh, I think it was 2017 or 2018 um, in West Seattle um, at a venue called The Skylark. And they put on an incredible show. Jonathan's an awesome guy. We had a really great conversation and uh, I hope you enjoy it. the first question that i wanted to ask just to like give context to everything right is like for people who are watching and have never you know heard of like you, you guys and, and what you guys do like i was curious about like um how you how the band started and like what the journey's been from like the start until now
1: yeah um i was working at a plant nursery place called Molebacks, um slinging christmas trees <laughs> and uh met a guy named hudson um and we, I don't know, even know how we got on to music, but we started talking about it and he said he played piano. I was like, oh, you know, a lot of people play piano. And it's like, I was like, I sing. And he's probably like, eh, a lot of people sing, you know. <laughs> um, and then for some reason we decided to get together one time and just jam. And um, we were both kind of shocked by the other person's um, ability and, and probably mostly the chemistry. We came up with the first song in like three hours. Um, which I haven't replicated since, but, um, yeah, so it was, yeah, it was really cool. We, we had a really good working relationship. Um, and then I knew a guitarist from my old church, uh, named Josh Nelson, and he joined us on guitar and, and then, um, we had another friend of mine, Nate Fifield on drums for a while. And I was playing bass, but not really, because um, <laughs> I suck. Um, and uh, yeah, it was, it's our our history's kind of been one of like a lot of hiatuses. Yeah. You know, like Josh went off to Germany for a while. We were sort of still woodshedding some songs. You know, me and Hudson writing, and um, Nate went off somewhere. Josh came back, and then we met Jake, your old drummer. Uh, For Sir Reginald, and he was our drummer for a long time. Um, And that's kind of when we finished writing the bulk of our first record. Um, Then I moved away to California, thought the band was dead, moved home, really wanted to get in the studio and record the album just for like posterity. And uh, a friend of ours, Harry Scannell, that I met in California, we just kind of had him play on the album uh, bass and, um, and he loved it so much he wanted to be a part of the, the band and we were like, oh, I guess we're going to keep being a band and we're going to keep writing stuff. And then we kind of started taking it a lot more seriously. Um, so he became a permanent member of the band and we, Hudson ended up leaving, um, you know, just to pursue solo stuff and he's still writing really cool. Awesome piano music—it's
0: gorgeous. And, he's amazing. Uh, I remember watching. Yeah, that dude was insane. Yeah, he slays.
1: He's he's amazing, and I'm just super, super stoked that he's continuing to write. Um, and then uh, yeah, we recruited a guy named Robert Keen. He's a really close friend of mine now, um, but he was in a band that we used to kind of we had like a friendly rivalry with. You know, we'd play a lot of shows together and get each other amped up. You know, and um, when his band kind of went by the wayside we snagged him and so he's been in the band for the last six years and, um, yeah we released our second record notes from the underground um, la 2022 February 22nd 2022 and then we did a bigger release last December and like all the streaming platforms and stuff and uh yeah so that's the latest one we're working on other stuff now obviously but uh yeah it kind of brings us up to date i think
0: awesome okay no that makes sense so like what do you so what is like the current lineup like instrument wise like
1: mm-hmm. um so i'm i'm on vocals that's really all i do um i you know do some processing on it as well but it's like yeah mostly just vocals and um, I write the lyrics and then, um, Harry, our bassist. He also plays, uh, Chapman stick and war guitar. So for people who don't know, it's like a, it was invented in like the seventies. I want to say the Chapman stick is like, a, it's like this plank basically. And it's got like, it has six guitar strings or his has five guitar strings and five bass strings. And they come out from like the bass of both instruments is in the middle. And then it fans out to the the treble strings on the outside. And it's a tapping instrument, um, primarily. And war guitar is similar, but it's uh, a little bigger um, and a little more options. So he plays that a lot. And then he also plays, you know, mostly extended-range basses. And, um, but then he also plays tuba. And he plays trombone. And he plays, you know, upright bass. And he plays fucking everything, you know. So he, uh... He's been kind of our, our lead songwriter for the last um, eight years or so, since Hudson left, so he and I kind of get the germ of most of the songs and, and start from there, and then um, we've kind of been opening up the process to other members of the band recently, in the last couple of years, which has been really cool too, so we've written a couple songs with just me and Robert on the keys and Christian on the drums. Oh yeah, that's right. Christian joined the band after uh, Jake left. Uh, Christian Ryder's on the drums now and he's awesome. Um, So, yeah Christian Ryder's on the drums, Uh, Josh Nelson's still on guitar but he's, you know, he works uh, as a producer down in LA so he's not generally available for like live shows and stuff so he's mostly just recording with us. and yeah, I think that's that's it. Robert on keys and synthesizers and glockenspiel sometimes, you know, <laughs> <According> <laughs> to What do you guys
0: do at shows without Josh? Then, like,
1: um, we tend to, well, lately, you know, Harry's down in LA again too, so it's really just for most shows, um, it's keys, myself, and drums.
0: Okay.
1: Um, so we really we've always been like down somebody almost always like somebody's gone so it's very rare that we actually have all five of us playing a show we've gotten pretty adept at rearranging the songs because it's important to not do a cover of your own song that's worse than the original like you can make something that's different um and it might be smaller or it might be a little more um intimate or whatever but I don't believe in giving, you know, shoveling crap just because you don't have your resources that you normally have. So it's important to um, spend a lot of time uh, restructuring things or trying things in a new genre, like a song in a, in a new genre, to make it work for whatever lineup we have. So that's kind of what we do, generally speaking. Um, yeah. And without, you know, actually, Josh is probably been, he's been gone for the vast majority of shows throughout our history period, you know, just because of his work or just different traveling things. And so when Harry's up, Harry will cover for him on the Chapman stick because it has guitar side and, um, and he's, uh, he's an absurd human being. (laughs) He's really, really good. So,
0: um, he makes it happen. Um, covers both. Awesome. Okay, no, that makes sense. I feel fortunate to have seen the full lineup then, like back in twenty eleven when I first saw you guys play. Yeah, that was that was awesome. I remember I remember coming out to that. Um, But like, yeah, so that early period of the band when I met you guys, which was like summer two thousand eleven or a little before summer two thousand eleven, yeah. late, late mm-hmm. spring, like. So the first time I'd heard anything, right? We had went over to, to Jake's house and um jammed with him for the first time and he kind of joined and then he was like, Hey, I'm in this other band, you gotta check out our stuff. And he brought us upstairs in his room. And I think he had some crazy setup up there. I can't remember. And then he played the demo for Ghost. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time we had heard anything, right? So we were listening to so this. We're like, dang, this is this is insane. And I don't remember if all the instruments were on it or not, but I remember hearing the keys and then your vocals and stuff. And it was just like, we were just, we were all kind of like, dang, this is this is awesome. Um but like in that so in that early period like how many cause like was that the first song that you guys did or was that kind of in the middle of That was fourth. The fourth yeah. one
1: we wrote. Yeah. And that's actually um the first one we wrote with Josh, which I think is apparent. You know, it's much more of a a rock song than the the
0: first three songs we wrote. You remember what, what was the first one that you guys wrote like as a... uh
1: street lights is the first oh, okay. one mm-hmm. yeah street lights and we wrote someday which took fucking forever <laughs> and um uh
0: let's keep things slow and then ghost yeah okay yeah okay yeah because i remember you guys had a full like when we were because we jammed in the same practice room as you guys obviously yeah. like stuff and i remember seeing um like in the corner by the bass amp because like um I, I was playing bass like in original and stuff and i remember like seeing like the like the lyric the lyric sheet like was on the ground and i remember like reading through this and just being like dude this is like um and i think um streetlights was on the top and there was a part um, there was a part in there that i wanted to bring up specifically that i absolutely love so that part at the end right when you're changing your voice and you go into that part where you're like and i can't remember how you started but you say uh um grab my blasphemous throat and strangle me with rage i need a reason to hate you because you gave me no cage first of all i love that um but second of all i was curious it's like it sounds like in some of those songs like specifically that song but there's a few other ones too like where it's almost like you're inhabiting a character like do you feel like in your lyrics do you like to inhabit characters and sort of work out different philosophies that way or is it all kind of straight from you or satire or a blend of all those things Yeah, nothing nothing is straightforward jonathan
1: um i just i don't know and maybe that's something i should explore as a writer at some point but there's a lot of confessional stuff out there there's a lot of stuff that's um yeah i i find it uh a lot of stuff that's like directly biographical ends up being pretty pretty biased towards the speaker a lot of the time. not always there's some people who are brave enough to really like shovel out their shit you know in front of everybody. Um, and me I'm kind of somewhere in between that so I, I tend not to uh, lionize myself in my own songs um, but I also I'll shade my darker side with fiction, I guess, I would say. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, there's one song in the new record called Love's Revolving Door that's, um, you know, about a very toxic, abusive relationship, Um, which, you know, um, God Help Me is not my life, but I see how it could be, you know, like, it's sort of like a nightmare, I guess, you know, a possible... um, future or possible past of mine I guess and then you know there's songs about murder and all kinds of stuff so yeah it's not uh, I like I really love like Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds and um, you know a lot of narrative stuff I like the Mountain Goats a lot Um, so yeah most of our stuff is is not um, certainly not directly autobiographical
0: No, that makes complete sense and like um when you okay so like when you're approaching things from that way like how do you do you find that there's like a pattern in how your lyrics like initially start like are you writing from like some people write well like have the instruments done and then they'll just sort of track random melodies where they're singing sort of gibberish and fill stuff in like that or some people write the lyrics independently without even hearing this like how do you do you have like a typical way that you approach it?
1: I do have a typical one but it's becoming less typical because um, we've kind of done it a lot of ways you know i've i've written some songs straight from lyrics and come up with melodies on my own and shown them to the band and then they figure out what's going on because i don't know anything um but you know most of the time like with hudson and harry um you know they have like these very um almost fully formed ideas or they could be on their own as they are you know so a lot of the times I'm um, adapting something to something that's already there which I find to be uh, there's things about it that are easier and things about it that are harder you know so it's um and so' we'll generally I'll get with them and I'll just um, listen to it over and over and over and over again um, you know I with Hudson and Harry, I, I used to just kind of lay down under the piano and for like an hour or two while they just kind of played it over and over again, or like, oh, can you play that part over and over again? And um, I like to try and uh, intuit what the song is saying before I impose something on it. So, um, not to say that all, you know, instrumentation has only one meaning and I found the true meaning or anything like that. But there is a certain sense of like, I do feel like this thing is saying something. It's it's a language of its own and it's, it's speaking something in this vein. And so um, until I find that, I usually don't write anything for it. Um, and so then once I find that... I'll either start from scratch or if i've you know i'm always writing things and sometimes something will be like oh that's perfect and then i'll adjust that and add to it and trash it and restart you know so there's there's, uh yeah and then melodically um they kind of come up at the same time
0: the melody and the lyrics usually um not always but
1: yeah so that's usually how it goes
0: okay no, that completely makes sense. Like, do you do you go through like a lot of? Are you like a tw- like? Do you like to tweak your stuff? Like, sit there and keep listening to it and be like, oh, I might change this word or like that. Or are you kind of like, I like the pure raw. No,
1: nah, I'm not into the pure raw. I feel yeah, yeah. Good. My pure yeah. raw it's not good.
0: You too, man. I feel
1: Yeah, I um, I get really paranoid right before recording. Um, I'm like, okay this is gonna be it and if I'm not happy with it then too fucking bad because it's there you know um, I'll really get pretty intense about editing stuff um, at that stage and I'll even like show it to a couple people and be like what do you think about this like does this feel weird you know I'm um, I don't I really hate cliches, and so I try not to use them unless it's kind of poking fun at it, you know? Um, yeah, but sometimes you'll use one and not not notice it. Um, and so it's good to kind of run it by somebody, and they'll be like, hey, what's what's this about? I'm like, oh, shit, that sucks. You know, <laughs> just like strike it, you know? Um, so, yeah, I, I edit stuff to the last minute, and a lot of that evolves through you know, playing it out at shows and stuff too, where you're kind of like, you know, this isn't as good as I thought it was when I first wrote it. Um, you know, even with our first record, you know, I was 19 or 20 when most of those songs were written. So I, uh, I've i changed a lot since then. And there's like a lot of the parts of the songs, I'm like, oh yeah, that's, that's actually pretty good still. Like I, I'm still into it, you know. And then there's other parts, I'm like, eh, I wouldn't have done that that way today, but I kind of look at it as, like, well, at least it's an honest record of where I was at the time, and, like, and it's uh, a good, um, yeah, so, like, I'm still proud of it, but it's, I wouldn't, there's a lot of things I wouldn't do the same, you know. Um, On this current record, mm, I can't think of anything that displeases me about it at the moment but i'm sure in a few
0: years i will. <laughs> so. and, and that's probably how it, honestly like i really feel that's like how it should be because if you're not growing enough to look back on like what you did and you know i don't want to say take issue but be beyond or, or a different place then you know like then you haven't grown as a human being and yeah. I feel like that's dangerous to look back on things i made when i'm 19 and be like yeah I still be, still Yeah, that's a
1: bad sign. Yeah. Well, when you're talking about the earlier when we were
0: talking about the, the novel
1: and you're like when I was 13 you're like Oh, it was bad we're like well it's bad for you now but like as a 13 year old it probably fucking ruled you know and like and so i try to remember that too like i can be proud of myself for you know who i was at the time trying something you know but um
0: but yeah you got to move on for sure so with on the same vein of the lyrics like do um the other band members ever like ask you questions about the lyrics or be like, hey, dude, like change this or like, are they involved in that process at all? Or like, do they ever, um, you know, I don't know, like, do they ever say, like, ask you why you're saying something or? Yeah,
1: occasionally, um, you know, it's, uh, everybody in a band has their own kind of relationship to the written word, I guess. Um, you know I was a literature student in college so I I'm you know, really into reading and um, uh, so for me when I listen to music the words are kind of the main thing really like all my favorite stuff is very um, lyric heavy and you know um, but then for other people they're like ah it kind of doesn't matter to me like un- and until i like a song i won't even notice the lyrics. like harry is you know um he said to me that he's basically that way like he really likes the lyrics in our band and stuff and he he does hone in on them but um he's a he was a um conservatory musician so he you know that's his entry point into music is from the music first like the structure and the complexity or you know just the instrumentation so um yeah so everybody kind of has their their level of uh i don't want to say interest but like how much they'll question it or like you know want to know specifics but
0: um yeah makes sense yeah and I, i'm curious about that yeah because it's like um you know sometimes it's like, like I think it's hard, right? Because you're in a band, right? And you're you're like collective, and you all kind of represent a common thing, but you also have all of your individual personalities and stuff. And you know, the frontman and the you know who's who's saying the lyrics and stuff. Like in a way, it's in a way like you're you're at least the like the lyrical spokesperson for like for the group in a sense. And yeah, it was an interesting dynamic, I think.
1: I find it to be a troubling position, honestly. Like. I, um, you know, I, yeah, to me, like, um, I, sometimes I'll find it surprising that I, like, I, I love being on stage. I love performing. Like, I have such a great time. Um, but I'm a, I'm a pretty quiet person, you know, around uh, other people and, and strangers I, I wouldn't say I'm like you know um, deathly shy or anything but I uh, there's something about being on stage though there's like a an aspect of myself that I, I get to access that doesn't exist anywhere else And so I, I really love that and it's it's very uh, when you're having a really good show, it feels like you're kind of like careening down like, a hill on your bike, and you're like, you're cranking the pedal, you're trying to see how fast you can go, and you're going, you're ripping, but you're like, I could go faster. And that particular feeling of like, I could go faster, like, I can do a little more, and like, trying to top yourself is an amazing feeling, and then playing different characters and being very, you know, um, very external, you know, like, pulling things out, and, you know, uh, it's really fun, but it also, by its nature, it's like you're the lightning rod for for the attention of of people, and also because of you know of words and the human voice, we naturally, you know, just even evolutionarily speaking, we we listen for that primarily, you know, we listen for for voice because we're you know we've evolved to do that. Um. So I get a little frustrated sometimes when I, uh, sometimes I feel like the attention is a little too, uh, um, too much on, on the vocals, you know, like I, I really work on them and, and try to be excellent, but I, I'm, I'm kind of like, but you're seeing what he's doing over here, right? <laughs> like it's nuts. Like, um, and so I, I'm, that's something that i i I always try to understand but then like you know usually musicians who uh who listen to the band they don't want to talk to me they want to talk to harry or or robert or christian and that makes me feel pretty happy because like you know i'm with them when they're workshopping this stuff and and like they always push themselves beyond what they can do and like up level for basically every song it's like oh man they'll write something that's like they can't play it you know and i'll do the same thing like we'll write something i can't do this and then you uh you learn it and then all of a sudden you're, you're better so i uh i really like to see that uh people notice when
0: you know all the all the work that goes into it but yeah awesome <laughs> well, yeah sticking with like what you like that metaphor you were just saying right of like riding your bike downhill and, like the feeling of being on stage and stuff like that's something that always stood out to me of seeing you guys play was like the theatrical element, which I love, like all of my favorite bands, there's some sort of like, I don't know. I think like the best performance is like, you got to feel it. you got to have that sensation of being on stage and enjoying it. And like, I always enjoy watching that. Um, do you have like a background in musical theater or anything, or do you just find like that's your natural expression or. A lot
1: of people ask me that, um, which is fair, you know, uh, it's, um, yeah, especially with like a lot of the character driven narrative and stuff. I, I try to embody that on the stage and um I don't have a musical theater background. I did play in a musical one time because I thought it would benefit my stage presence. And it did. Uh but um Yeah, at the risk of uh, mm, vilifying myself to the people who watch this. I, I really don't like musical theater. <laughs> like I I there's a few musicals that I like I really love and grew up listening to. Like I love Fiddler on the Roof and Um You know, there's some Sondheim stuff that I think is really cool. But the thing about musical theater is the play aspect you know the story aspect never makes any goddamn sense it's like totally it's all so compressed and so like uh, there's all this contrivance to try and like lead into the next song or make or tell the story with the song it's always like kind of a yeah so uh, it it just kind of irks me most of the time (laughs) um but there's some really great music that comes from them um but I, yeah, I, I guess I usually find that both sides suffer, like the plot suffers and then like the lyrics usually suffer because they're kind of pigeonholed into making something happen, you know. Uh, and there's exceptions to that. but Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, but it is fair to, to wonder if, if I was in
0: musical theater. <laughs> yeah. I mentioned it in a positive way, obviously. I actually happen to feel the same way about musical theater for the most part, like, I've not really found I think Hamilton I would say was the closest to like a musical that I like resonated with and thought was like you know high level and met my taste or I guess whatever like but yeah I've had trouble with like I like a lot of people hyped um Les Miserables um I don't know how to pronounce that I think I might have slaughtered it but um and I watched the first like 10 minutes and I fell asleep yeah
1: yeah and it's an amazing book right like um, and there are some good songs in it. It's almost it even more of like an opera because there's like no actual dialogue. Um, uh, yeah. So yeah, I recognize the um, the level of skill that goes into it, and you know, it's uh, any theater production is cool from a community standpoint, whether that's actual community theater or professional theater, like anything that requires that many moving parts and that many people all saying, yeah, we're doing this. Like that's, you know, there's a lot to be said for that, but yeah, not, not super into musical theater, but uh, yeah. (laughs) Um, I don't know. That makes sense. But yeah, I, I, I'm, I get more theatrical every year
0: with my performances. So, you know, I don't know what to do with that. (laughs) Yeah. Just keep going. Keep going. I mean, like, cause yeah, like the difference, like, from because i saw you guys in 2011 and then again at the beginning of 2017 right so six, six years and yeah i was like watching i mean it was already kind of like that in 2011 but yeah it was like this this. and you were playing with a smaller lineup i think when i saw you guys at, at the skylark in seattle in early 2017 um but yeah like i i loved like i think and you had played a lot of the new material there i remember i remember seeing Love's revolving door. And when you went into like the sort of monologue part, like yeah, I really yeah. just sitting there, and we're like, whoa, like this is this is awesome. Like yeah.
1: Cool. Thanks, man.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's...
1: it's not more like that. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Yeah. Um Yeah, that song we actually it evolved from it because that used to be a spoken word part. In fact, a lot of our stuff we'll have spoken word at one point or another and sometimes it makes it to the final recording but a lot of the times you know in that final editing process I'm like is this spoken word because I just can't come up with anything or is it because it should be that and I always have to like try and honestly analyze that question and then that song I was like I think there's something musical we could do here that would be really cool and so we kind of went into this like review of show tunes you know, which is another like contradiction to what I was talking about with musical theater. But it's, uh, you know, from like vaudeville on, you know, of like different styles of uh, of show tune kind of stuff, all in like a two minute section. But yeah, that's a uh, that one's easy to um, emote, I guess, because it's it's very directly narrative.
0: Yeah. well it makes sense um were you guys so like I was listening to parts of the new album and like well I listened to the whole new album a couple times but there were certain parts where like are you guys going all over the place with time signatures like there was some stuff I was trying to count out and I was just like I have no clue how to count this out like I'm really interested in that right because like I um I've like made hip-hop music over the years and one of the things that I wanted to sort of crack the code on was like why are these people not rapping in alternate time signatures? Like how cool, like there's such a whole space that I feel like people are just not doing. And yeah. then I realized very quickly why, because it's really hard. Yeah. Um, but I was curious as to like, number one, like what um, are some of the examples in your guys' music of sort of alternate uh, alternate, I guess, time signatures, like non four four. And then like, do you find it difficult at times to match like your melodies with those? like rhythms and stuff
1: yeah it's hard it's like it's really difficult um and these days most of our songs have at least one or two sections of of odd time um so uh the first song has uh I think I'll say 10.8 and 13.8 throughout a lot of it and I think it might go in six eight two at one point um, second song. There's some like there's some 13 in there and some um, I can't recall. You know, Harry and Christian and well Robert too actually. They all know more than I do about this. I just kind of like the only way I can keep up is to internalize it like in my body.
0: Okay.
1: And, uh, feel it and kind of adjust it that way. Like I've tried counting out. And it always fucks me up. So I, I just, I have to um, get into the groove or whatever, which is, it can be tough with odd time signatures. But I think like a successful song that's written in odd time will not sound unnatural.
0: Right. Like you won't notice. Yeah, exactly. Like I'll Like there was so... I didn't, I didn't, don't have no background in musical theory. And like, even being in like the band when I was like 19 and stuff, like I've just played by feel. Like I just, or I'd watch them <laughs> like put their fingers on the fretboard, the guitarist. And I'm like, Oh, you're hitting this fret. Like I'm, I'm going to hit that note on my face. Um, but like when I started learning about time signatures and getting curious about it, like a couple of years ago, like I went back and listened to certain songs that I just have loved over the years. And I would discover that like, Oh, I had no clue. This was in, you know, six, eight or seven, four, whatever it was. And you're totally right. It's like if it's done well, you don't notice. You 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 know something's different, maybe, but like, and I think that's cool because and I think that like I like that a lot about your guys' music is like it's we're so used to four four and we're so used to three to four minute songs that when something is different than that, like I think there's more of a journey it can take you on. And I'm all about listening to music where you start one place, you end in another place. And like, do you guys think about that sort of thing when you make stuff like a journey and sequencing? Yeah. Um, yeah. With,
1: you know, time signature is one tool, you know, dynamic range is another one um, key changes. And all, like all of these things are just our ways of yeah taking you from one place to another in a dynamic way. We're, we generally write linear songs. So most songs are, are cyclical, you know, the verse, chorus, verse, chorus, you know, maybe a bridge, chorus, chorus or whatever. So they they return and we have a little bit of that, but we tend to get bored,
0: I guess. Yeah.
1: So we we tend to go, okay, so here's the first part, second part, third part, fourth part, fifth part, sixth part. Maybe we'll have a little like reference to something that happened earlier, but that's about it. And, um, you know, uh, like a lot of classical songs used to be written more that way. Um, so that's yeah, that's kind of what we tend to do. And time signatures, kind of basically, one way of of um, moving the song to a, a to a new section. Um, and also, I guess like from a lyrical standpoint, when it comes to choruses, I don't do a lot of choruses because I. I'll always be like is this good enough to repeat like is there a point to repeating what I said or is this just like more space I could use to keep exploring this idea (laughs) you know so I I tend to write something new even if it is like a repeat of the music or a repeat of the melody I'll I'll tend to write new lyrics for it most of the time Um, but uh yeah time signatures are really are It's really fun, it's fun to kind of like, especially like at a show, you know, when somebody else is playing something like, uh, you know, you're like at like a gent show or something like, Tesseract or animals, and you're just kind of like, boom, 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 you know, you just like, you eventually kind of get it in your body, like it's really satisfying to feel that like, it's sort of like a, something you feel almost in the pit of your stomach like this drop you're like oh something is wrong but it's like it's great like i don't know i love it um as far as hip-hop goes i never tried to count it out but i i feel like to pimp a butterfly has a lot of weird times stuff
0: yeah Um, he's um man yeah kedrick is nuts dude like his delivery like yeah i i like watched some video where like these like jazz heads were like breaking down like the way that his flow hits like on the beats it was way over my head but it was really fascinating to hear them break down like how he's delivering his phrases and like how they're hitting with the drums like yeah man that stuff he, he's awesome man yeah
1: he's he's next level and it, like when i was first doing writing stuff to weird time like i would actually have to be like oh this is so this is in 15 that means i need to write lines in five hmm. You know, like i'll write three lines of five syllables that's literally like how okay. i would do it like i was writing like i was making like haikus or something or like you know uh scanned poetry or something um which helped at first but then i kind of i've gotten better over the years where it's like oh you know you can kind of vocalists have a lot of latitude for how you deliver a line or what emphasis you put on which things and like Sinatra was actually really good at that I uh, I was never a big Sinatra fan you know he kinda sticks around like one octave and you know he's he's Sinatra but I did a couple of his songs um, for a performance class in college and it was really challenging because the way his choices are very strange Like where he chooses to come in or chooses to like elongate a line or or truncate one or like he'll come in like half a beat before the one, you know, and stuff like that. And so um, I do that a lot now with with weird time so that it's and I feel like it makes it a little more natural too than just like sticking directly to the meter, you know, with your syllables or whatever.
0: So that makes sense. Yeah, no, that completely makes sense. Yeah, like. Um do you count like aside from like the time signatures and stuff like that do you find yourself like playing with syllable counts and stuff a lot or is that only in the sense of like um when you're stuck or trying to figure out why something sounds off or
1: um these days most of my lyrics end up being free verse format you know um there's more rhyme than i would use in like a regular poem but um it's still yeah one line will be you know a third as long as the next one and you know it's, it's all kind of dependent so i sort of find my way in, into the um into the time so there's some things where you're like well this line just will not work with the time so i have to rewrite it but then there's other times where you're like i think i can find a way you know if like if i if this word i speed up and this word i slow down then it ends up fitting um, so you just kind of have to mess with it a bunch um, so yeah I've never um, I've never been one for writing um, like classical form poetry um, i I used to think it was just dumb until I studied it and then I was like oh no this is actually really amazing but it's not It's still not my deal, you know, like, I, um, uh, and also with rhyme, too, even in, like, really amazing, like, well-regarded poets or songwriters will do this sometimes, I, which I feel is a mistake, is forcing rhyme, like, you know, you have a word you really want to use, and then you find, there's a couple of words that rhyme with it, and so you go with it, and it's like, dude, I'm sorry, you gotta trash the first half of the line. It's like, because it sounds dumb. It sounds contrived. It doesn't sound natural. It doesn't, you know, um, and with, so we're talking about like a good, a successful odd time signature song is one where you don't notice. I feel like a successful rhyme scheme is one where you don't notice, or at least not so much, you know, where it's like that you could conceivably imagine this being um, conversational. Something that somebody would actually say, um, and you know, I have varying degrees of success with that, like anybody. But uh,
0: that's the goal. Yeah, that, might, that might completely makes sense. Like, um it's e- yeah, it's easy to force stuff into a structure, and I, I agree with you. Like the intuitive, letting it be intuitive, I think is just going to win every time.
1: Yeah, and you know, some people are able to do both. Like they use the structure as like a um, uh, they set a set of rules for themselves and that actually gives you kind of like a playground you know to to climb on and to um, to go off of you know if you have no set of rules for yourself at all and you're just sort of like an empty space with no you know it, it can tend to be a little disjointed and um, sometimes not that great you know like I'm actually a big fan of, of, of structure um, but I tend to, um, I tend to bend or break the rules a lot, and same with bandmates too. They're like, "Oh, this part's in 15, except for this measure," you know. It's like, <laughs> um, because it just sounds cool or something's, yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't really know where I'm going with that. So.
0: Yeah. no, it makes sense. What, um, what are? some uh, it's like a two-part question like what are some of your influences and then the second part of that question is do you find yourself as you listen to music I guess in general and you're like listening to a vocalist that you really like are you usually more like you know pulled in by the melodies that they're doing or are you more of a like if you had to pick right or more I know it's probably both but like or more of a like a lyrics are you more impressed by like wow these lyrics um that you wrote incredible or are, is it melodies or, I mean, or kind of a fusion?
1: Um, lyrics for sure. Yeah. I, um, yeah, like I said, uh, Nick Cave is a huge um, influence on me. Our stuff doesn't sound anything like his, but like, I take this, like the spirit of what he's doing and, and I, I go for that, you know, I'm not saying I'm, I'm there, but um there's another band that I've loved for a long time called Me Without You.
0: Oh, dude. That's my favorite band.
1: Yeah, dude. Me too. Well.
0: So good. Top
1: five. Yeah, they're amazing. And Aaron Aaron's lyrics are absolutely incredible. Um, and when I first heard that band, I fucking hated it, the way he sounded. I did not like his voice. And then, but the more I heard about his lyrics, I was just so intrigued and eventually I fell in love with the way he sings it too. Um, so. Yeah, I'm very, uh, very lyrically focused. That said, you know, it's a different skill set, you know, like, um, you know, probably my favorite vocalist of all time would be Jeff Buckley. He's incredible. Um, and I just, uh, yeah, I, um, I think Matt Bellamy from Muse is an amazing singer and especially given that he's playing guitar at the same time I've cooled my enthusiasm for them over the years with some of their later records Um, but he's still an amazing vocalist to this day he's he's incredible Um, but yeah it would lyrics are definitely first for me like I also really love um, I think I mentioned this. I love the mountain goats a lot. They're folk mostly, um, kind of indie rock, and um, uh, yeah. John Darnielle is just a really, really amazing um, storyteller, and but yeah, our stuff is absolutely nothing like his stuff. But I, I'm still thinking. You know, like I have these people over my shoulder when I'm writing. You know, um. Somebody I've been getting into recently, um the the microphone slash Mount Erie. I don't know if you know. No. Um, um he's a really incredible writer and he doesn't he doesn't truck with rhyme at all. Like well sometimes he does, but like it doesn't matter. Like he'll do stuff that doesn't rhyme. Like he'll do a whole song that doesn't rhyme. And he'll just kind of um and his songs will be like twenty minutes long sometimes. <laughs> Even one that's like forty five minutes long. And they're um he has a very, like, a brutally uh, realistic writing style. It's like, like his philosophy is, like, try and strip metaphor out as much as you can. Which is like, oh, I don't know about that. But <laughs> a, you can't argue with the, uh, with the results. Like, they're they're really good um, lyrics. And so, yeah, that always kind of comes where I... Head but um, a lot of the band members really love King Crimson, you know that's definitely a big influence um we all love Radiohead, you know um, you know a lot of the art rock bands you know you know like pink Floyd and Harry's a kind of a big metal head, so he's always showing us you know some Norwegian black metal or something or like you know or he really loves Dream theater or. And then Robert's like a big Sondheim fan, um, you know, kind of really into classical stuff. And he's into everything, you know, loves the Beatles and stuff. Um, Christian, he's a big uh, fan of Queens of the Stone Age. and um, But he's also like, he played in jazz band in college, so he really loves jazz stuff. And So our influences are very, uh, very diverse and everybody brings their own taste to the table but fortunately there's no one in the band where we're like yeah that guy's music that's not good yeah. don't give them the ox chord. you know like that doesn't yeah, yeah. exist in the band which is nice <laughs> like even if we all have um different uh areas that we hang out in mostly when we listen everybody's got
0: um that's that's always good because it's like it's it is like you know, it's like making a soup, and you got to you throw in all these different genres and these different perspectives, and one person at changes the whole it changes the whole flavor. Like I remember when we, you know, when I when I was playing, it's like um, all of us had very distinct music styles, and there was some overlap, but yeah, every time we added a new member or someone left, like the whole the whole sound went a different way. Yeah, and, like, yeah. and you gotta be open
1: to that or at least in this style of band you know there are some people who are like there are band leader bands you know where people like they have the vision and that is a way of going about it um and i wouldn't disparage it you know like there's there's frank zappa you know there's um captain Beefheart or whatever you know these people that are like kind of nazis about their vision and that it's going to be this and you play this and you play these notes and um and sometimes that can come up with some really amazing stuff, but I uh, I I tend to like to um, release control, which is good because I can't play instruments. <laughs> it would be a yeah, it would be a pretty sad show if it was uh, me at the helm completely. You know, like, <laughs> um, and everybody else is pretty much of the same opinion. Where like the the collaborative effort is kind of What's really fun, and the challenge for that is finding personnel that you can actually trust um, and we've been really fortunate, even in past members, you know everybody has been somebody that is very musically trustworthy and a good person as well like we we haven't really had any nasty band drama ever uh, which I feel fortunate because um, most people have had that you know but at the same time, logistically speaking, you know, like if we wanted to play more shows or whatever, it would be like, well, we should probably get a new bassist. Cause your bassist lives in California. Or you should get a new guitarist because your guitarist – and I'm like, yeah, I don't want anybody else. <laughs> like yeah. I want these people. <laughs> so hey, yeah. make it work, you know, um, and, you know we'll see if that ever changes but I, I tend to doubt it it's like the band is kind of um, I'm not saying that lineup will never change at all but it's never going to be um, yeah like oh well, this guitarist has a big following or something we should try and get them in our band or something right. like. you know, it's like, um, there's amazing guitarists actually uh, I jammed with Mac one time with Jake oh, really? well we needed like Josh was going to be gone for a long time, and he's amazing. He's an amazing player. Um, but for whatever reason, it we just didn't click, and it was like no fault of anybody's, you know. But it was like okay, that's that's something you have to consider too. It's like it's not skill necessarily, or enthusiasm, or personality. Like all of those things matter, but they're not everything you know sometimes it's just like oh you know I just don't for whatever reason we miss each other when we're we're playing and I I couldn't say why um and so you kind of you're like all right well you make your amazing thing and then we'll go and try to make something equally amazing and and we'll be fans of each other you know um so I I found that over the years with a lot of musicians that are like incredible but there's no yeah
0: the chemistry isn't there for who that was
1: why you
0: know but, yeah well, that, that makes sense like yeah like we experienced that too like when we were like trying to find a vocalist like it was just that it was like oh, all these people are incredible singers and all this stuff but it's just not it's not it's just that thing it's like that feeling when you're like you know in in a relationship or something you're like no not this not this person like it's yeah. just for whatever reason awesome person just doesn't, doesn't yeah know. Did you guys have trouble finding members at any point? Like when you had the departures, like did you like audition different people, or was it usually like, no, we have this person like in mind that we already know?
1: Yeah, no, it was. Um, it, was it was. There were some tough things, you know. When Hudson left, um, the pian- our original pianist was like, Jesus, how are we going to replace him? Because he's really good. Um, uh. And I think we jammed with Robert, actually, and I don't know that we were necessarily making anything more than a jam, but at the time it was like so this is another interesting part of that thing that we were just saying that like at the time, there wasn't much chemistry there. I don't know why um, now it's like we have like a very strong musical connection in fact, he and I. Play stuff together all the time. We write together and all this stuff. But at the time we didn't, and uh, and so really nothing came of that until like maybe two years later, um, and he came and joined the band, and it was just a completely different experience. Um, and then when Jake left the band, you know we tried to find some drummers, and um, that was tricky. You know, I remember one came. Um, she was super cool, really into the music, and like, okay, well, let's play this, you know, we're gonna play this song, it's called Stranger, and um, it was in 13. <laughs> and she had never never played anything like that, and uh, man, it was a bummer. It really took the wind out of her sails, which was too bad. It was like that night, it was like the last I ever heard from her. Like, it was, it was a bummer, because we were like, well, you know, it's like, nobody has to get it right away like what we really need is like enthusiasm like and like somebody that wants to to get um, the stuff down and you know we can take whatever time um, and then there was another guy who was a really great jazz player um, he played a couple shows with us we, we paid him because we had these shows coming up and nobody to play them. so um, and he wanted to join but he just he couldn't because he was he was really trying to push like the working musician lifestyle, on. so he was like trying to work only for money, like period because he was trying not to have any other jobs, and you know we couldn't pay him forever. You know, so, um, and then uh, we were playing a show with no drummer. <laughs> so we played basically. I think the only thing we haven't done is play without a vocalist yeah uh, but um yeah we had no drummer we just had like i had a little drum machine that i used for like a couple songs that i could draw a sequence to but most of them like they changed too much for me to be able to do that um and it was a fun show but you know it was also kind of like not the best uh, and the band we were playing with we played with them a number of times and they're like oh hey, you know like you guys so you guys like playing with no drummer now i'm like Not by choice, you know. (laughs) Uh, Oh, well, my roommate plays drums, and he's looking for a band. And and so that's how we met Christian, and he's just rad. You know, another jazz drummer. All of our drummers seem to be jazz drummers. Um, And, uh, yeah, so he's been with the band since 2017. So he's great. Really good player. Really cool person. But... uh, yeah, it's, it's sometimes, it's a, um, it's tough to find people, you know, when we, when I moved to Orcas Island, I wasn't sure if the band was going to keep going or not, you know, um, I was a little bummed, well, I should find some people to play music with because I'm going crazy, you know, and I, you know, tried a couple of people and was like, ah, this, I hate this, <laughs> like, I just, <laughs> I want my band back, um so we started doing the file sharing thing and got back into it you know by hook or by crook so,
0: yeah So i have a few more questions here so i want to hear about the uh, the tiny desk edition like that that whole thing man i watched the whole thing super awesome um yeah what like tell me about like a spark of that idea like how that happened and the amount of work that you had <laughs> yeah, yeah it was um
1: i kind of describe it as like a six month manic episode basically <laughs> like i was like oh this would be a good idea yeah this is still a good idea right and then like i'm just killing myself um trying to make it happen actually it was more like nine months um so yeah i was i You know, I liked tiny desk stuff and I thought, Oh, that'd be fun to do but it's like it'd be really fun to kind of um to kind of completely fuck with the concept, you know, of the tiny desk, you know, so it's like, well what if everybody's on the desk somehow, you know, and then I kinda came up with this goofy drawing, you know, of like a post coming out of like a school desk and then all these crazy things going on and drew that on like a napkin or whatever. Um And uh, I'm a carpenter, so I uh, found a bunch of stuff from work that wasn't being used, you know, and um, originally, I don't know what the fuck I was thinking, but originally I was just going to, I was going to pour concrete and do like a post because I wanted it to be seem like kind of like it was coming out of nowhere at the time. And it was like in the middle of January pouring, just pissing rain. I'm there with my co-worker, he's helping me, God bless him, and just digging in just pure, like, sludge, it was just like, it was not dirt, it was just runny, just disgusting wet mud, and uh, I was like, I almost had a breakdown, I was like, because I had things scheduled, like, people were coming, you know, <laughs> like, and I needed to have this structure built, and it's like this is not going to work this is like ridiculous i had bought like a whole pallet of concrete and it was like getting ready to pour that. it was so dumb um and then i was like why we, yeah no fuck this we're just gonna use a tree so we found a tree on my friend's property and uh um yeah so kind of wanted to make it seem like it was in a regular room um at first and then have it kind of expand from there into all these different things. But it it took a lot of time because I wanted it to look very unsafe, but not be unsafe, you know? I wanted it to look very, um, you know, just these things strutting out and these crazy angles and, like... Um, and so, um, you know, a lot of the times you're kind of in midair, you know, like... Building something to support itself, you know, while there's nothing there. So it was very, you know, it was like 30, 40 feet up in here. Um, You know, there's these like stairs that kind of go to nowhere. Um, And those were like the stair jacks were made out of this like probably 150 pound, 200 pound beam that I was like, it was really dumb. I'd actually be pretty mad about it. But I was, like, all alone, you know, like, trying to carry it up this ladder on my shoulder, like, just dying. And it's, like, I'm, like, 51% up the ladder. And I'm, like, I can't hold it. But if I drop it, I'm going to kill myself. And so I just had to keep going. I barely made it up to the platform to get it up there. And it was just, like, there was a lot of that. (laughs) It was, like... Um, and, uh, our pianist, he had some carpentry experience, so he came up and helped me one day, and, uh, my coworker was such a gem. He helped me a number of times, but, yeah, and then the day of, like, that was the first time most of the guys had seen it. In fact, it was the first time any of them had seen it complete, and not everybody is so comfortable with heights, you know? Not everybody, like, like I said, I I made it look dangerous, and- (laughs) <laughs> they certainly felt like that it was um but you know we had everybody harnessed in and uh there's a guy on the island who's like a rock climber who kind of helped us with all the rigging and like um you know harnessing everybody in and uh you know we uh used like plumber's tape to kind of clamp down the whole drum set on the top and the keyboard stand and um and there's a lot of the moving parts that I go around through the whole thing, you know. Like, um, so we had to kind of at least make gestures towards safety for some of those, like little, you know. And sometimes, like we do a take, we did six takes. Um, and there's a couple of times where, I, like, I'd miss a harness. I'm like, "Fuck, gotta keep going," you know. So it was, it I should have practiced a lot more. But there's a lot of moving parts. People coming from you know, LA, people coming from Seattle, all staying with us on the island for like that weekend and um yeah, you know, getting all the sound rigging up and then um my uh, my friend Forrest who was the director on it, he had a drone, but we couldn't use the drone cuz it was too loud. Oh, you know? yeah sound had to be live you know um so we did six takes but the, what you see is just one continuous take and what you hear is one continuous take. um so we just picked the best one but uh yeah so he had this drone so we took the wings off of the drone so we just have the gimbal and then we hung it from like this like basically i made this like long pole it's like a fishing pole and then like a little swing <laughs> for this for um, Robert's friend Cody was the the guy manning that and so we hoisted him up in a tree with a crank so that he could kinda of do this boom thing and track um, so that was this whole goofy thing in and of itself he's up probably 25 feet in the air just hanging from a rope you know um, yeah it was a blast man um, it was not we did get some traction from it, like NPR, you know, they were like, ah, it's probably the craziest one we've ever seen, and so that was gratifying, but, uh, yeah, it didn't like take off or anything. Yeah, and we picked, we picked that song for the, the Tiny Desk, cause it's, uh, a lot of it's sort of about, like, obsession with, um, being seen or being uh admired or all of these kind of kind of gross um emotions and stuff it's the uh, kind of loosely based on the underground man notes around Dostoevsky and so um i liked the the irony of kind of putting a song that's so uh um self critical and hooking it up to like a social media engine like a music contest. Um so yeah, it was it was a really fun fun project and a lot of people helped out a lot. I mean film any filming anything, I don't know how people do it. It just uh you need it's just scheduling people. When I hear about something that took like there's like a crew of like hundreds of people
0: how did you
1: do that <laughs> like um
0: yeah so it was a, a big undertaking but it was really really fun and you guys were doing like was the audio from the live takes of you guys playing over there yeah yeah, yeah that's awesome because i feel like a lot of people would have just like overdubbed it i love the like not nah, gotta do it yeah it was like
1: definitely a strong suggestion in the rules of the tiny desk um, they said you didn't absolutely have to, but I was like, nah, you gotta. Like for one, it's sort of like a professional pride thing. <laughs> like we're musicians, we should be able to do this. Another part of it was just like um Yeah, just sort of honesty of like, well, this is how good we actually are. You know, you know, so the mistakes are the mistakes because we're human and the things that are cool are the things that are cool. Um and let's just show an accurate picture of that. And also we had the benefit of like, the platform ended up making the drums sound really cool in the which was surprising. We thought the drums were gonna be kind of a shit show, but um, yeah, the platform itself ended up like reverberating uh, with the kick in a really cool way. And like the way the, the drums sounded in the trees ended up not being too boomy or too dispersed. It was kind of lucky. So,
0: <laughs> How did you guys hear each other? Did you
1: have in-ears? I can't remember. I didn't pay attention uh, to that. Um, I had in-ears. A lot of people had headphones on, yeah. So okay. didn't have live monitoring except for the, the headphones. And then, um, yeah, and I just bought like a little transmitter for my microphone so I could be wireless, um, which I feel quite lucky that that worked because a lot of the time latency is too so bad with those things that it messes you up but
0: um yeah, yeah. Well, makes sense. That's, that was a lot of fun I love that and then one of one of the other like final questions I had was um you forwarded me that letter that you guys sent out um for the album um and I thought that, I just thought that was super cool like the idea of sending the physical letter what you guys were talking about in it and then how that relates to what you're talking about like on the record and stuff so I was just curious like I guess I just wanted to hear you kind of speak on the thought process behind that, and then like how that intertwines with like what you guys were communicating through those songs and in, in yeah. reviewing kind of that stuff. Well, um,
1: you know, I, I don't want to sound like some um, soapbox grandpa or something, but I'm I'm very troubled by the, the digitalization of the human experience. Um, just uh, my own self as a test subject, I feel like I've lost a lot engaging in like social media at all. So now I, I basically don't. Um, I've got a Facebook for buy, sell, trade and finding houses to rent. <laughs> uh, and that's about it. And then, um, you know, the band's Instagram will post like a show poster so people know that we have a show. But... Um Yeah, I, I I just I find a lot of the stuff that we're supposed to do as musicians very troubling and very um antithetical to making good art. Um And it's there's always been, you know, that machine behind pop music since the 60s, you know, with record labels and stuff and you know, reviews and You know, the whole magazine thing that people used to do. They still do. But um, the product is the product, you know. And our personal story behind it is not, shouldn't matter so much. Um, So a lot of the times you'll find people more interested in the story behind the story like even in a movie you are like oh why should i see this movie and they're like well all these actors this one was from like you know a very disadvantaged thing and this one was you know adopted and this person like they uh are a skydiving instructor and it's like well what the fuck does any of that have to do with anything
0: right
1: that's cool like they sound like somebody i might be interested in talking to but like that doesn't have anything to do with the movie that i see like are they a good actor is the writing good cinematography good is the music good like isn't that all that matters but it's like it's not how it is anymore everything is so um, interconnected in this way that I it would be fine if it was interconnected in an honest way but the when you know you're being observed you act differently Yeah, you just do I see it with my kids you know They act differently when they know we're watching, and that's part of the human experience. I'm not going to say that that's fake, but when you are going for something specific, like a specific reaction, when you know you're being watched, then that is fake. That's dishonest. And so, when people are doing that on purpose with their, you know, various ways of social media engagement or whatever, that you're you're getting really far from from honesty, I find. And I'm sure there's some people in the world that have found a healthy way to do it, but I'm not strong enough to do that. I, so I have to just cut it off, which is what I've tried to do. And, but then when you work on a record, you've spent thousands of hours making it. And you're like, well, I would like some people to hear it. Right. So what the fuck do I do? You know, and... Um, and we just did not feel comfortable doing like one of the band members there had a cousin who's like a um, works as like a social media advisor or whatever i can't remember all but and he talked to us and he's like well you guys got to do this you got to post these videos every day they should be this long they should have like this kind of font and this kind of like you know grabby clickbaity question et cetera and i was just like I just felt myself dissolving, I was like, no, gross, I cannot do this, I just cannot. Um, so the only thing we could come up with was like this letter and, you know, we had a short list of, you know, who we could contact to give it to, but we're like, well, maybe we'll make this letter, you know, we wrote it and, um, give this like lyric booklet with it and then and a digital download because as much as we'd love to give somebody a, a record or something it's really expensive so we did you know do a Bandcamp download or maybe at the time I think we were going for even a smaller release so we just did like a private link to a SoundCloud thing um, and then we did a wider release on Bandcamp and, um, Yeah, so we made the made the letter. I I soaked all the envelopes in tea and stamped them with like wax and shit.
0: That's awesome.
1: (laughs) You know, like tried to write a little personal note in a lot of them because they're mostly to people that I knew um, or kind of knew. Uh, One second. Yeah, I'll be done in a minute. Okay, I'll be there shortly. My wife needs me. Um. So, yeah, uh, and I was like, well, maybe try a thing where if people like it, they send it to a couple people and do it that way. And, you know, not much came of it, which I kind of expected, but it was a way forward that I, I felt I could, um, be okay with, you know, um, and, uh, you know, since then we did release the album on like Spotify and Apple Music for people, um, but um, yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't know a good way of getting things out in the the wash of um, just like this infinite sea of content, um, and. You know, I know people are still engaging with things on a deep level. You know, they'll find something they love and it will change them in some way or be a companion to them through something. Um, so that's still happening. Um, it's just, uh, it's certainly not the same as it was when I was a kid. Um, and I, you know, I like having something physical, I like having something personal, I like having something that's not. Um, one song on a thousand song playlist, you know, um, that some robot made, you know. Uh, so, yeah. It was, um, yeah, I don't know how anybody makes it or whatever, but ultimately, who gives a flying fuck? It's like, it's the important thing at the end of the day when you've made something, whether it's you're writing a novel or somebody making a painting, or whatever. Do you like it? Is it worth it in and of itself? Like, is the object or the creation or the process, like, is that all fulfilling to you? And can you stand behind it? Um, And if the answer is yes, it's like, okay, keep doing that. There's really nothing else, because you can't control the zeitgeist, you know, what other people like. You can't control how people you know acquire something or what they do with it you know in fact the final step in any creative process is the audiences and you have as a creator you have no control over what they do with it they could misinterpret it they could um you know it could be the best thing ever to them it could they could think it sucks but it doesn't matter like as a creator you really only have control over your own opinion about it and so that's kinda what we do, and that's, you know, like, there's the video too, it's like, man, like, if you want to look at, like, payoff, uh, there is no quantifiable thing that you could point to that would say that this was worth doing, but qualitatively, like, as far as, like, what we experienced, it was well worth it, and I'd do it again, you know, um, so, yeah, that's, uh, I think. Um, yeah, it's it's weird because you' you're not writing things for nobody. You are writing them, but you also it's very important to not give a shit about whether that anybody else likes it or not. Like it's weird. It's a weird thing, but I think it's really important to uh, to be true to your own um, inclinations and tastes and um,
0: yeah, so. That, that makes complete sense dude and like that is a it's a weird it's weird it's just weird living in this time and age and like being observed all the time even even sometimes without our say if someone's just holding up their you know it's just yeah it is it's just weird to navigate and like all the opinions and trying to be real in in the midst of all that is like i have a lot of trouble with that <laughs> just like how do i be real like anymore
1: it's- it's hard it's really hard and um and it's okay to fail at it you know like i I try to give myself a little slack you know uh but it's it's important to not just um mindlessly be swept up in things you know if you want to be on that ride great if that's truly what you want and that's okay but if you find yourself like Suddenly, not knowing who you are because of how um, influenced you are by the outer world, or whatever, or you know, getting sucked into one of these various like cyclones of opinion that everybody has to have regimented opinions about certain things. If you find yourself not having an open, free mind, then you need to change something. And, uh, I'll probably yeah, we'll be working on it till the day I die, I assume. I'm hoping to be a more integrous person. Yeah.
0: So that's, uh, last question I have. Um what in like if you had to pick we'll we'll say three, three albums that you think everybody should listen to, um, because they mean something to you, like do you know like off the top of your head, like what you'd recommend?
1: Uh let's see. Um I'll represent myself here rather than the band. Um, Brother Sister by Me Without You. Skeleton Tree by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Hmm. Probably... be hail to the thief by radiohead i guess i've uh, there's no way to not injure yourself with such a question but i know i know that's what i'll go with for now especially because i think i need yep. my help with something so
0: well man i really appreciate you you know taking your time to hang out and have a conversation and share like what you've been up to and what the band's been up to and you know i've always been moved by your guys' work and inspired by it and appreciate you guys making it and yeah appreciate it
1: well thank you so much yeah and give me a link to um to your podcast I've, i i want to see more of it and it's it's great to hear your voice and and hear about how your life has changed since we last saw each other you know